Welcome to Eden Monthly In-Depth, the podcast with Eden people for Eden people. Today's guest is Andy Wilkins, the headmaster at Oklahoma Bible Academy. Andy and I have an excellent conversation of what brought a public school kid to be headmaster at one of Northwest Oklahoma's premier private schools. He talks about the history of OBA, what the modern OBA looks like, and the benefits of a Christian education. Please remember to like, rate, and subscribe so Enid Monthly can continue to bring you interesting content with interesting people. Now here's Andy. Welcome to Enid Monthly In-Depth, the Enid podcast with Enid people for Enid people. I'm here today with headmaster of OBA, Andy Wilkins, and we're going to have a little conversation about uh, where Andy grew up, uh, about Andy, and especially about OBA. How are you, Andy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to talk about the really neat things going on over on the west side of town. Well, good. Well, like we talked about, kind of uh, the focus of the podcast is to get to know people and get to know kind of what they do and how they made it to the community and all that kind of thing. So uh, were you born here in Enid? Is that where you came from? No, I am not a Northwest Oklahoman. Um, I grew up in Mustang, so pretty suburban, um, suburbanite. So I went to school there, so I had the large public school experience growing up. Uh, my parents have lived there for a long time, and um, I'm the fourth of six kids, and we all went through the school system there. So um, enjoyed it. It was a good place to grow up. Um, highly involved um, family, so um, in church, in school, um, a lot of athletics um, in my family background. So, um, so that's where I grew up. And it was a public school background. Yes. So, that, so you yeah. uh, you never were in a private school growing up. No, no. There's there's not a private school option um, in that area for families, um, and so. It was all just large six A school, you know, was was your choice um, if if that's where you chose to live in that community. So, um, so that was uh, that was background. My uh, went to OBU um, out in Shawnee um, and met my wife when we were out there. Um, we actually met at church. She was going to OU and coming continuing to come back home, and so. Um, so that's where we met. She grew up in McLeod, so a um, little more, little more rural, suburban background from her. And so then we moved up here in Enid um, in 2008 um, from the far east side of Oklahoma City. Um, so that eastern Oklahoma County, almost like right where the new Turnpike is, there on the east side. All we from our old house, we could see it. Well, you said you grew up with four brothers uh, or uh, uh, six, so mm-hmm. five brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and uh, you were the fourth of six. Mm-hmm. How was that being kind of right there in the middle? Yeah, uh, it was good. I have a lot of middle child tendencies. Um, so when I grew up, I've got a sister a year older and a sister two years younger, and then. As it turns out, have three daughters as a as a girl dad. Um, that's kind of all I've really known. So really um, grew up in that time. All three of us were in high school together, um, which now as we look back, um, was a lot of fun memories and shared experiences that we got to have. So it was good. Great parents. Um, very working class family. What they do? Uh, uh, so my dad ended up retiring as a city worker. Um, and he had some other um, business management um, prior to that. For Mustang? Yeah, in so, Mustang, in the city. Yeah. What did, and what, which division, which part? Yeah, so he was in the water um, department. Um, and then also, for most of my growing up period, he was the animal control officer. Okay. So, and then my mom enjoyed staying home and raising kids and, and just 
always being available to take care of us. So I, I bet you and he have some pretty good stories about animal control. There's, <laughs> yeah, it is it is fascinating here in Oklahoma. It can be everything from pets to cattle to all kinds of exotic animals that people have as pets that you don't know until they need help. So. I had a possum <laughs> hissing at me from my stove one time in Stillwater. <laughs> and so, and uh, uh, their remote control wasn't so excited about coming to get a possum out, but I'm <laughs> sure that your dad was better than that. But uh, So uh, you said you played sports in high school growing mm-hmm. up? What kind of sports were you in? Yeah, as, we're a big basketball family. My dad played a little bit in college, and so we just grew up that being a big part of what we did. So I played all the way through high school um, and had a lot of fun with that. Was was really glad to, to get to do that. Um, and so that's still a part of something that I enjoy doing, whether it be watching or helping coach a little bit. Um, just basketball probably probably still remains my my primary hobby, um, uh, even as I'm getting older. We can play noon ball. I never see noon ball. <laughs> well, the new the job change, you know, over at the school, not as available um, for that. But Robert, you know, the recovery time is a lot longer now. <laughs> that's true. At our age. <laughs> And definitely, and for me, it's the getting started time. Like whenever I get out there on the court, it's at least a game or two before my hips and my knees start working right. So, and uh, those young guys are throwing me passes, and I can't turn the way I used to. Well, that's really neat that you uh, grew up uh, playing. And then, so what brought you to OB, uh, OBU for college? That, that's uh, mm-hmm. was it uh, connections through church or yeah, okay. yeah. So I grew up in a really good Southern Baptist church there in Mustang um, with a strong history. And so that was just always an important part. As I look back, I was always very spiritually sensitive, always very um, God aware um, and very aware of how the world was operating and working um, or not um, according to his design. And so um, so just growing up in the church, being very regular, um, that was a natural part of placing faith in Christ. And then that being a big deal and becoming later on in high school, the most important part um, of, of who I was. Um, and so I what, sensed what church was it you said? Yeah, it was Chisholm Heights Baptist church. Okay. Yeah. They're, um, they're on the West side of Mustang. Um, so we were, um, then felt a call to ministry, um, you know, church work. And so went to, um, Oklahoma Baptist university to pursue that and got a great education, really got my experience in Christian education there. Um, understanding, um, that Bible is not just a separate thing, but the truths of God are integrated into um, all subjects. Um, and so since he's Lord of all, so he'd be integrated and a part of all. Um, and so so that's where I really experienced that as a student um, and then started working at a church as a youth pastor while I was uh, in school. What was your degree in? Was it in? Uh, yeah, so it was in Bible. So it was a lot of real in-depth Bible study. A lot of, um, yeah, some some languages. You know, some of the languages and just a lot of. So that was the degree. It's a liberal arts school. Um, so I really feel like it came in with a really well-rounded um, liberal arts education, but with a focus um, on Bible interpretation. Well, you did a little interning, you said, and then after you graduated, did you get a job right after uh, right after graduation? Yeah, I stayed on. So when I was 19, I actually became the summer youth intern, like a lot of churches have, um, at this little church, First Baptist New Walla, um, which is like an area on the far east side of Oklahoma City. And just the Lord blessed the church, and we just grew and just kept, just kept growing at a real um, rapid pace. Um, and so the church was able to bring me on 
you know, right after I graduated. So I knew my senior year of college that I would go full time at the church um, at graduation. So that's really where I started, was there for eight years, um, learned a lot, got to see a lot of neat things, had an awesome pastor mentor um, and a guy named Griff Henderson um, and some good co-workers there at the church um, that helped a young guy um, survive and figure it out. Um, and so, like I said before, met my wife um, through the church while um, while we were in college. And then, um, yeah, so that we were there eight years and then came to Enid um, to be the youth pastor at Emmanuel. So um, 14 years ago now, so... Now your wife is Sarah, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, was she working during that time? She was, yeah. She worked as a development and fundraising officer for uh, a Baptist ministry called um, Baptist Retirement Communities. So, um, so for that, um, for that ministry there, raised a lot of money for um, for widows whose families just didn't have much, and there was a gap, um, and special projects, and then also for pastors' wives in rural churches. You know, they don't, when those when the pastors pass away, their wives don't have much. And so she had the joy of serving those women. Um, that was a lot of her, her base that she raised, raised funds to help for their end of, uh, you know, for their care and quality of life. Well, I, uh, uh, just to uh, uh, give a shout out to Sarah that we're, we're friends on Facebook. And so I see a lot of her comments and, and we've had several really, uh, really great discussions. And I've really been impressed with uh, just her perspective and her heart and her intelligence. And, and so, uh, so you really, you really uh, outkicked your coverage on that uh, one. Right? Thank yeah. you, Eddie. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't get any better than that. So I got <laughs> it wrapped up. Yeah, she does a great job articulating very clearly. Um, views and perspectives, and her her background is in political science from mm, OU, no, so that's that her. Uh, that is her degree, and so seeing things, and especially from the Christian point of view, and not just from the media perspective, mm-hmm. or what do things really mean, or how do things actually really work. She's awesome at that, and she's um, very kind the the way that she comes across too. Yeah, so, well, that's yeah. really cool. Well, and so you said you had three daughters, and uh-huh. uh, were they born while you uh, were any of them born while you were at Nuala? They were all in here in Enid. They are Enidites. So yeah, we had them all here. We moved here. My wife was um, eight months pregnant, so we moved up here. So. Yep, okay. They've been here their whole lives. We'll talk a little bit about your daughters. Yeah. So um, Remy's an eighth grader at OBA and um, loves art um, and is really fun, has that creative side to her. Miriam um, is a fifth grader at Emmanuel Christian School. And so we're having fun helping her you know, figure out her things and get involved. And though she's a great friend, that's part of my joy of being her. I watch her be a really good friend. And then my youngest, Damaris, is seven. will be going into second grade. And uh, she is, a, in a lot of ways, a very typical youngest child. So she's a party bus. And um, there's always been a crowd for her to entertain. And that's what she's always looking to do wherever she goes. So it's a joy to be their dad and help them grow up to flourish and really be godly women that, for God to use um, and godly moms and all the other plans that God has for them. So um, so it's been great to raise, raise a family here in Enid, you know, just the fact of no commute. Um, the ability to run into our community and group of friends at school, at church, at out to eat, at the store, just really enjoying our proximity um, to our, this, our community here. 
That's really cool. I, I, as a girl, girl dad myself, I, it's, a, it's a special joy, I think. So, well, uh, so how did you get from New Walla to Enid? What was uh, in, the, in between, or did you come straight from there? Yeah, I came, came from there. So we were there, and then the youth pastor job was open at Emmanuel. And so um, I contacted the folks up here and um, applied for the job and went through the hiring process um, to be the youth pastor there. So there's some connections and some family connections um, up there at the church. So I was aware of the ministry of Emmanuel. And so when there was an opportunity, it, um, then we— you know, we pursued that, and so glad it worked out. Was there some uh, interaction while you were the youth minister at Emmanuel and uh, Emmanuel Christian School? There was not. Um, so that was still something, again, like I said, that was, you know, secondary, um, elementary and secondary Christian ed was something we were aware of, but not something we really knew, um, or frankly, at that time was a big priority for us. Um, for our family. So then getting here, of course, that grew and we really began to see what it was and then experience it more from the parent perspective. Um, and then seeing the impact that it can make on the students, we got uh, more interested and more passionate about it. So it wasn't um, something that you, that it sounds like it wasn't something that you were just definitely like, even though you grew up in a public school and your wife grew up in a mm -hmm. public school, yes. that you thought, well, our kids are definitely going to go to private school uh, until later on. Right. No, I mean, honestly, just understanding from since I was 18, I'd be in ministry. It was not something that I thought would ever be financially possible. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife wanting to stay home um, with our kids when they were young and, and, um, it was just wasn't something that was really on our radar and there there wasn't an option for it on the east side of Oklahoma City either so it wasn't where we were located it wasn't within a reasonable distance for our for our, as an option so it just wasn't something that we had thought about so what what uh, when you did d decide to make that decision uh, was that after you had started uh, as an administrator in a in a Christian school or uh, did you do some other things in between no, I went right from being the youth pastor to Manual to going over to um, spend two years um, as the assistant headmaster at OBA, working for a veteran Christian school education leader um, who'd been around the school around this area for a long time. So your your longtime Enid listeners will know the name Dallas Caldwell. Um, he was there, so was mentored with him for a couple of years before taking over as a head of school. Was that a, a transition plan when you got hired on as assistant headmaster? It was. Yeah, it was an intentional transition. So. What what uh, uh, were you recruited to that spot, or were you? Is that something that you were just kind of interested in? Um, it was something that I was interested in. Um, I ended up through my time as being youth pastor here. Got a master's degree in Christian education, and so had started getting to know that and getting comfortable with that industry and that aspect of Christian ministry. Um, and specifically working with teenagers in that um, component of Christian ministry in the day-to-day -day of education. And so so I was there, the school was putting together this intentional transition, and, and so they recruited me over to uh, for that spot and position. I'd known a lot of them through church at Emmanuel when I was a youth pastor, so a lot of the board members by then, the, the board members, um, several of them had kids that were in the youth ministry. And so, um, and to brag on you a little bit at the time, from what I remember, you were a very popular, uh, youth minister. So it's not a surprise to me that you'd have been <laughs> recruited to, uh, to lead, uh, uh, children in an educational setting. Yeah. 
yeah, things went well there. I was glad to serve there and make an impact and help kids, help teenagers. It's, a, it's the uh, biggest need of life um, or just a, a great opportunity to help kids really understand who God is, how, what difference that makes in who they are, how they see themselves, and how they operate in the world. They're very... Um, teenagers, especially junior hires, are very, very spiritually sensitive. They're coming to that awareness of that other's awareness and coming into things are bigger than me um, in the in the world. And so, helping them aim that at um, at the God who loves them and came sent His Son to die for them, um, so that they could have a relationship with Him is. Uh, has been a, a joy, a, a joy of my career. So now it's, you know, thinking back just in my growing up in a Baptist church and youth ministry and, and the uh, uh, people that have been ministers that I've known, uh, it, it, even though it, it, it's kind of weird that I never thought of a transition from uh, a youth minister to a uh, administrator at a Christian school, but they're pretty similar now that I like really think about it. It's not mm-hmm. really that difficult. You're you're uh, uh, outside of the management perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, managing a school is different than a youth minister, but uh, but the the people are the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. So it's a lot of it's a lot of working with the students and the goal at the school, the goal at OBA, um, our kids learn a lot of stuff. They work hard, they get smart, um, they achieve and we want them to do that. That's part of them, uh, maximizing their learning capacity. You know, how has God wired them for academics? And so we want to see that flourish, um, as their way of glorifying him and serving him, um, and, and fulfilling the plan that God has for their life. Uh, but the ultimate thing that we want the students to learn is really know and love Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so that is the most important thing that we're doing, instilling the Christian faith in the next generation in partnership with families and churches. And so in a lot of ways, the ultimate goal and the ultimate good and value that OBA offers our community and our families um, is the ability to be really intentional about spiritual development a spiritual development that's in a Godward direction. And um, the Christian God, the God of the Bible, um, and so as final authority. Um, and so ultimately there are a lot of similarities in that. Um, the ultimate goal is the same. How you get there and what we're doing day to day takes some time. And we've got, thankfully we've got some other resources that um, as I've grown in some areas of leadership, there was already some people that had some expertise um, to provide that leadership over the last eight years. Well, it's really exciting. Well, let's talk about OBA a little bit. How long have you been there? So I've been there. I just completed my eighth year. As headmaster. Um, sixth as headmaster. Okay. So the other two in that intentional transition. Uh, did uh, And let's talk a little bit about the title, Headmaster. We were okay. kind of joking. If uh, uh, For the August issue, uh, our cover story is going to be about uh, superintendents of uh, Chisholm High School, Union High School, and, and you at OBA. And uh, so when I said uh, uh, superintendent, mm-hmm. uh, you said, yeah, that's kind of my job, but you've got other jobs too that, uh, that make it. Uh, make uh, entail headmaster explain that a little bit yeah so the easiest way to describe uh my title is it's kind of a third principal a third superintendent and a third lead pastor for the schools and for the families so um so that's that role of uh, just the pastoral care leading out in that sometimes i don't do all of it but it's making sure that bible teachers and the other folks capable on campus are um, and then all you know, chapel program that's unique. You know, nobody else gets to do that. Um, 
And so leading out of that, what are the big, okay, what do we really want the students to get um, and become through, through chapel? So that's, that's what a lot of that pastoral leadership looks like. The superintendent stuff for a lot of the, you know, leading the bureaucratic processes uh, that has, that what education is <laughs> um, these days and the finances and board work and, and those sort of things. And then the principal, I'm on campus. Uh, my office is right in, right in the middle of campus, so I see the students on a daily basis. I interact with the teachers, um, those sort of things that a building principal, you know, would be would be identified as in a in a typical public school system. Now, it, it obviously it's faith based. Is it uh, is it a particular denomination? You said you had a Southern Baptist background. Is mm-hmm. it Southern Baptist? Uh, is that how that works? I, I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. Um, so we are an ecumenical school, so that means we're open to all kinds of different Christian denominations. We definitely um, lean towards, tend towards, traject towards um, the historical, orthodox, evangelical um, doctrines and beliefs and traditions of the Christian faith. So other fit, um, Christian faith traditions are welcome to come to OBA. Um, we go through that process and we just make sure, hey, this is going to be a little different. Here's how we're going to do it um, whenever we visit with those families. So so we are an independent Christian school accredited by the ACSI, Association of Christian Schools International, which is a pretty broad, um, on the faith spectrum, a pretty broad um, accreditation body. And um, so historically, OBA has been Mennonite. Um, it was settled by the farmers out west of Enid um, 110 years ago. So and then the school moved to Enid in 1983 to join the passions that were happening at Emmanuel for Christian Ed and um, some of the faith communities up north um, to get a little closer to some of those families and faith and churches. And so, so yeah, OBA has been around for a long time. We've got some deep, rich traditions. Well, that's really interesting because uh, somebody that uh, moved to town not from here that, uh, uh, you know, when you see the OBA, a lot of times your brain thinks Oklahoma Baptist Academy or uh, something like that. But yeah. but the fact that it has its deep roots in the, uh, in the Mennonite faith, that's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting to me as well. Yeah. And doctrinally, there's not a whole lot of difference between um, between the Baptist faith and the and the Mennonite Um Kind of my my joke or oversimplification um, is the Baptists were British and from England, and the Mennonites were German and from the other part of the continent. <laughs> that so, makes sense. but doctrinally very very similar, easy easy to cooperate with. Uh, so uh, OBA has been here since how long? For how long? Yeah, so OBA was out at Mino, started in 1911. Um, out there, the current Faith Center, the Faith Center campus is out in Mino. That church, um, that's the original OBA campus. And then moved in 1983 for to open up our campus, you know, out out on Garland and Chestnut, and um, so so been in the Enid for um, our coming up coming up on 40 years. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really exciting. And uh, so has it grown during that time? But how many students are there now? Has it uh, been pretty consistent? How's that uh, actual students population wise? Yeah, over the trajectory of our. Um, over the school, over the last 50 years, um, definitely a good, strong growth tra- trajectory. Um, but we, um, so it's so definitely grown both in quality and in numbers. And so so with that, we've got 200 students, you know, is what we're looking at for next year. From 6th through 12th grade? Yeah, 6th okay. through 12th grade. So 
um, good class sizes, good opportunities to be a highly relational learning environment um, between our teachers and students and really able to challenge and um, keep keep very high functioning class sizes um, with our numbers. Um, we'll talk about class size. What's, what's an average mm-hmm. class size for you guys? Yeah, so the average grade size for us is about 35 in a grade, and then that breaks down to where in a typical class um, we'll have somewhere between 12 and 18, depending on the popularity of the class. Some classes even smaller when we start getting into the electives. Um, and then sometimes the schedule works out where we need to have three sections um, of, a, of a group of students, and so that may even be 8, 9, 10 in a classroom. So can really get a lot of great personal learning instruction from the teacher. That's really impressive because an average middle school class is over 30 students. So, uh, in a public school. So I'm really impressed by, I mean, that's a tiny number really. Yeah. Uh, Comparatively comparatively. for sure. And with the teacher shortage, we're, um, we're really, really blessed to be able to have that. And, um, our math this year, I'm really excited about because of, We've got a lot more math teachers um, this year and um, or not I say a lot more. Um, we've got the capability of having more class math classes this year. So um, if I remember right uh, from our report from my academic dean, I think we have every math class down to 10 or less students. Mm-hmm. Um, which for that subject particularly, that's a really, that's good. Yeah, it's very good, especially uh, knowing uh, my uh, son's going to Oklahoma State next year. And and it was just shocking to me how big of a deal that they made about having to take the math entrance exam and that how many kids were going to end up in the zero level, the um, the I, the they probably don't call it remedial now. They probably yeah, have some yeah, fancy yeah. name Zero for level. it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, how many kids were going to end up in that class? Yeah. And uh, and that just is stunning to me that you that uh, uh, that you could graduate high school with and have to have six years or six credits of math to graduate high school, but still have to take a remedial college class. So yeah, uh, that that's really impressive that you guys are really focusing on that. Yeah. Well, uh, so you, uh, I've got about 200 students. You said mm-hmm. now, is that, uh, are, are you poised for growth? Have you been growing? What, what talk yeah, about that. So we've got room where we can have, so oh, we've got a couple of grades that are full. Um, and then we have a couple of, and then we have a few grades where we've got five seats that we would have available here this, as we march towards August. Um, and a couple of class, a couple of grades that have two or three seats, um, that we could have for new good fit families. I mean, you know, as a private school, we, we get to choose our population um, and we want to get um, students from families that are really united in our mission uh, where they want that Christian faith instilled in their children as the most important thing they want for their education. Um, so so we do have um, some availability. Um, we've, we have... We have fantastic space out there. So physically, um, we've got we've we've got plenty of room. That was a huge asset for us during COVID, where we could spread out every classroom to six feet, and kids not have to worry about um, you know masking in the classrooms um, at all. So so it's a blessing. We're really flexible with with our building capacity. So there's a lot of people that have that are very committed to OBAs. Um, that have ties to the past that um, have been very generous um, for us to have a great educational facility. So you said that uh, obviously that having a, a, a desire for a, a very Christian education mm-hmm. uh, 
or focus in mm-hmm. education is very important for a family. What else would be a good fit? What what um, what kind of family or student? Yeah, so that's that is really our our primary one. Uh, you know, the the great news and having 110 years worth of alumni and alumni families to work with. We have a great, very robust um, tuition assistance program um, where we have multiple avenues to help families afford it. And so... Well, how much does it cost? Yeah, so... Yeah, for high school, um, we're at um, $7,900, um, and then middle school, $7,200 for the year. Um, no fee, There's no fees to play extracurriculars, do extracurriculars, play sports. No book um, fees, anything like no, that? No, no book fees. We roll all that in. So when you start to look at other similar Christian schools around the state or even around this whole region, um, it is... Um, it, it is it's kind of a miracle that we can offer what we do. I'm stunned, actually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. That, that, that's very, uh, I mean, not that $7,900 isn't a, a, I a mean, lot of money to a lot of, of people, money, but, right. but uh, it uh, certainly is uh, for what you is offered. I'm, I'm really impressed by that figure. Yeah, and a lot of that's the dedication and commitment of families. And, and OBA has always been that way. It's always been, it's a faith-based ministry um, by com- some core committed families um, that have been blessed by the ministry in their life and um, former parents of students who go who are really appreciate the partnership with the school um, that generously give back so that the next generation of OBA students um, that it stays accessible to all kinds of different all kinds of different families. So I think that's one of the surprising things when people get into the OBA community that the social, um, the socioeconomic diversity of our school is pretty unique as well. There's a lot of us, um, very normal income families, who are taking this time of our lives to educate um, and prioritize a Christian education for our kids. Yeah. Well, that's really neat that, that that y'all can offer that opportunity because I, I have some friends that have kids in private schools in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, and, and uh, some of them are three times more expensive. So that's that, uh, yeah. and they they pay it. I, I'm like, that's more than college is, man. So, uh, yeah. But uh, so that's really really cool. Uh, well. Uh, you said that uh, you've got some math classes and electives and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So uh, one of the drawbacks to a smaller school, any smaller school, mm-hmm. not just a, a private school, are you, you guys 3A, 2A? 2A and A. a and, okay. and we have the success rule in some of our sports. Sports we've been successful in, us private schools will get bumped up a class. So we have a couple of sports that we're competing with schools yeah. four and five times as big as we are. And <laughs> I, I, I'm going to love to, I really want to talk about the sports programs you got in just a minute. So, but being one of those smaller, um, uh, uh, schools like that, then one of the drawbacks is, is that maybe you can't offer as many AP classes mm-hmm. or maybe you can't offer as many, uh, elective classes mm-hmm. as, uh, uh, certainly as Enid or, but, uh, yeah. uh, but that's a problem with any small school, uh, right. especially Correct. rural schools. So what, uh, uh, what do you talk about that? Can you- yeah, so we have a very robust AP program. So we're we are blessed with sixty percent of our teachers have a master's degree, either in education or in their subject field, and so that sets them up well to be able to teach um, teach the AP courses. So I can maximize the AP capabilities of of any student um, with what we offer. And we also partner with the OSSM extension. So if students really want to reach, um, they can do OSSM. Um, That's the Oklahoma School of Science and Math? Yes, for physics and calculus, AP physics and calculus. And then we have a lot of students take concurrent classes as well. It's not something that we push. Um, for us, concurrent's a little different. We're not outsourcing our regular junior and senior 
um, courses to NOC or an online um, format. Um, we're because of our the Christian integration into all of our courses, uh, but we do have a lot of students doing those for electives. So that's becoming more and more popular, and we're encouraging that. We provide a space for that. We provide an hour for students to choose that as their elective. We also give them an elective credit for it, and also it counts as an honors course. So for students that are wanting to achieve an honors graduate or val valedictorian salutatorian um, graduation status, we we can we add those to that. So we are encouraging that, um, but we don't do as much as what some other schools are doing here. And we also partner with Autry, um, so we always have always have four or five students that leave in the afternoon and go do some of the programs over there. So by taking advantage of all the educational assets here in Garfield County, um, we're able to, we're able to expand those, those options, but um, it's our AP pass rate. We tell our teachers, this isn't just an advanced course, treat this like a college course, have expectations as a college course. Our expectations is that they're going to pass the test. They don't all do, but that's how we're gearing everything for, um, and, but most do, we have an extraordinarily high pass rate school-wise um, that's way beyond the, the national or global standard. Well, that, and I'll, not to embarrass my, my son at all, but that was one difficulty he had is, is that he just isn't a great, he's a good student mm -hmm. and got A's in most of his classes and all that AP classes. And, but passing that test, the, the one test that was high stakes and it was just, you know, and just very difficult for him to pass those AP tests. So that's where, uh, do you have a number for the pass rate for you guys? Um, we hit, we've, our 10 year average has been 80%. Wow. So some years a little more, some years a little less. So three that's or, all three, when we for say, the whole school. Yeah. And yeah. we say a three or above. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. some colleges won't take. They require four or five. Yeah, that, <laughs> so which is the college has the say in <laughs> how those credits work on their end too. So what? Uh, uh, one thing I know you guys brag about is is your uh, average ACT score. Mm -hmm. And and what was uh, what was that this year? Yeah. So for our seniors, uh, we haven't gotten our full seniors for this year yet. Um, that'll be coming out in the next month. Um, were that final that final test. Um, but last year we had the two highest scores in the school's history for the class of 2020 and the class of 2021. Um, for senior average, all of our seniors take it. They're all factored into um, to that score. So we had a we had a 26.8 the 2020 class, and then the 2021 class had a 26.1 for the average score. So um, it's it, we've got some advantages. Um, we don't have other testing that we have to do, you know, at our school, like a public school would have to do. So as far as academically, we can aim um, curriculum towards that test um, with a little more freedom than our public school friends. Yeah. Well, uh, we kind of glossed over this, but I think it's important for us to go back just a minute is, as you talked about fee waivers or scholarships that you guys mm -hmm. have for that $7,900 or $7,200. Yeah. Um, so tuition assistance, it's need-based um, tuition assistance. So there's an application process. Um, we have a third-party analyzer go through that, and then um, a committee of our board makes that those decisions on how much we help out. But we're we have more than we've we have more than we've ever had in the history of the school. So it, it's available. Um, you know, we have our norms that we stay within, um, but we we do have we do already have the money for some families. Um, that here at the last minute or or moving in here at the end of the summer um, to take advantage of. Well, I'm really happy that the community supports that kind of thing too because that's, uh, uh, that if if that is, 
environmental setting, or excuse me, educational setting, mm-hmm. is uh, right for a particular student, then uh, it finances uh, shouldn't be an issue sometimes. Yeah. So that's really cool that we've got people that support that. Well, what uh, uh, if there was a whenever you became assistant headmaster? Um, what was there anything that surprised you about um, about the school or about uh, just a Christian education perspective in general? Is there something that you're like, oh man, I didn't know that before I actually got involved? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, I would say I was very indirectly involved whenever I was the youth pastor at Emmanuel. Was a lot of because of the Emmanuel Christian School and a lot of the families choosing that and then going to OBA. So there was a lot of involvement. Um, there, so not any um, not any major surprises. I think I've been surprised of how much it takes the whole OBA community to make OBA work. Um, former parents, alumni, um, to to be generous with time, talents, skills, services um, to keep OBA affordable for our market. You know, to offer what uh, what is really only offered in Tulsa and in Oklahoma City metropolitan areas up here it it takes that commitment um from those who have benefited from from the ministry of the school so i think that was probably the biggest surprise was man we we need god has to work in these people's lives and hearts um uh, to keep you know to keep it, to keep us flourishing for the next generation of northwest oklahoma families um so uh, the other part um, was just the joy of watching the impact of a teacher, a really good teacher that works hard, a really good teacher that their relationship with God just overflows in wisdom, in guidance, in correction, um, can just be enormous, lifelong, and even in, an eternal impact um, on their life. It's also been fun to watch how much, I mean, the kids, when you have a Bible class every day and you've got really good teachers um, just the, the scope of biblical literacy that um, our students can graduate with uh, has been a lot of fun to see too of like no y'all y'all are ready you guys you guys need to be the leaders in your campus ministries when you go to college um, because you've had the opportunity that you've had um, to learn and learn well how to how to read the scripture well um, you know is something to be shared well uh one thing that uh, is really impressive to me too is is your uh, that you guys have some really good sports programs. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that. How many sports do you offer? What sports do you offer? Uh, and is, is that uh, are you using that as a uh, conduit uh, into ministry as well? Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, our mission um, is to educate students for God's glory and to engage the world. So we're not running a monastery over there. Um, we we want to help our students be ready to go in and make a difference in the world, be salt and light in the world, um, not to pull out and exclude or pull out and um, stay away from and avoid. Um, so um, athletics becomes an avenue. We compete in the OSSAA against the other public schools in our area and our fully functioning um, you know, members um, of of, of the OSSAA, and so, uh, so, so we've got a lot of sports. Um, we've got a lot of opportunities. We'd like to give our students a well-rounded educational experience. So, including, um, including that um, uh, those sports. So, middle school. You know, one of the unique things our, our sixth graders get to compete um, in the middle school programs. Um, on um, so sixth grade gets to jump in middle school. Sometimes they're ready to compete. Sometimes it's good for them to be on the team. Um, and then, so we've got 
Um, we've got football and cross country and volleyball and softball in the fall and then basketball in the winter. And then we have track and baseball and slow pitch and um, tennis. And when we've got enough for a golf team, we've got some resources to put together a golf team. That is um, a which wide we've been able to have. sports for being a smaller school. It is. It is. So our kids get an opportunity to compete. You know, one of the things our athletic director, James Cheatham, does a really good job of of encouraging kids that may be really good in one sport to go ahead and go play another sport, go learn what it's like to, to not be the main focus, go look to not be the star, to be a good support player in another sport. Um, that's just, that's part of a good, well-rounded athletic experience. So, so we offer a lot. Um, we're competitive in all of them. Um, sometimes, you know, some years more competitive than others, um, but we put a lot of energy into it. It's important to us, but it does still stay in its priority lane of we're here to instill the Christian faith. We're here to maximize learning capability. And then those extracurriculars um, add value and are good. Um, uh, but it, it, it stays in its lane. And keeping it in its lane can be challenging because we all get passionate about <laughs> about our kids and their sports. So, so do most of the teams you play, are they from Oklahoma City and Tulsa? Or, or no, we play from? mostly teams up here. Okay. So we compete any conference that we're in. It's right here. Because remember the OSSAA, they try and do things geographically. And so we play the other similar-sized schools um, here. And in in most of the sports, we're in a conference. Um, and they're all we're all geographically located. Has there been a sport that's really excelled in the last few years that uh, that made the state finals or championship? Yeah. So um, the sport that we've been the most dominant in has been volleyball. Um, we've been very successful at that really consistently um, for the last 14, 15 years now. Um, been really, really close to a couple of state championships um, in that. So there, um, we're seeing a lot of success with. Um, with the tennis program, particularly the girls. And then, you know, the last um, – this isn't part of OBA's history. It's This is new to us, but um, for football, of having – you know, making ha- – having really good records the last couple of years um, in football has been fun. The move to eight-man is going to help us. Um, just the numbers and bodies that we needed for 11-man. We were competing in 11-man, but it was one or two injuries away from – you know, ruining season, and we just—I said—we we just need to go to eight man. We can't, we can't be kind of that that uh, running it that close to the line. You know, on numbers, um, and having to play kids that aren't ready yet. You know, where the next guy up's a freshman who really needs a little more time to develop. <laughs> um, safety wise, sometimes too. Right? Safety wise, that's that's a thing um, when you start talking that number. So. Um, I'm eight man was fun. That was new to me, um, last year, um, but our coaches knew what to do and our kids worked hard. And so, well, you talk about freshmen having to step up. I, uh, I went to Northwest class in, in Oklahoma city and, uh, we had about 20 kids that played football uh, one year in five a at the time it was before they had six a, uh, and, uh, um, and on the freshman team, we might've had 18 kids. And so uh, I went out for that, uh, went out and, and I was a little 80 pound kid and they put me on the defensive line for the first yeah. game, not starting, but like, uh-huh. as, uh, that, you know, to give the guy a rest, I played two plays and that was it for me for football. I decided I needed to run cross country. After yeah. that. So, yeah. and so I, I definitely was not ready for that. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. All right. You mentioned cross country. We've been, uh, boys cross country has been very successful. I, I think we've qualified for the state tournament, for, uh, the state meet as a team for the last 15 years. And we have a fantastic cross country course 
out there. You know, we host one of the three regionals um, for class 2A, 3A, and 4A. So there's a there's a Saturday in the fall where about 3,000 athletes from all over the state will come in and run their, their state regional competition out there. We partner with the Chisholm cross-country um, coaches to do that and that's been a really that's been a really good sports event um, for us for a sport that doesn't get a lot of a uh, spectator fanfare <laughs> that's true my daughter runs cross country and as, actually I think they were uh, they practice they're going to start practice out there she's a freshman so okay. uh, I think they come out a couple of days a week to OBA so <laughs> I'm excited to hear about what she thinks about that course uh, well uh, what is the biggest misconception that you hear from uh, parents or from people in the community uh, about either OBA in particular or uh, or at private education. Yeah, so I think the first the first one is um, the financial cost, and that there's you know one the tuition assistance availability, and two the socioeconomic as I mentioned earlier, the diversity of that at our school. So um, it is not you do not get the sense that um, uh, yeah there there are families that are sacrificing to be there. Um, be there for sure. And so, so that, that's the first one. And then the second one is, um, the academics, you know, we've been a really good school for a long time and our, our kids have homework. Our kids work hard. Um, we, we, we push them to, to really be the best they can be in that. And, um, they work hard, get smart. That's one of our phrases. We, we say a lot. Um, so, but you can, you don't have to take a lot of AP classes. You can um, you can go through with a regular college preparatory diploma where you're ready for college, um, and you may not get a lot of scholarships if that's the route that you take um, educationally. Um, but we have avenues for um, for regular teenagers to take to get a Christian education um, that isn't the academic rigor you know that we're known for. So. Um, so not be intimidated by, Hey, pull, you know, homework at my house is pulling teeth. So why would I want to sign up for more of that? Um, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you know, maximize the number of AP classes you can take to be a student at OBA. <laughs> so, so that, that's a big misconception that you, you, you don't have to be an elite academic. Uh, is, is that exactly well, well said? Yeah. Well said. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that you could just, but you, you need to be a good student, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Parents are paying good money for their kids to be there. We want to honor that and recognize that. And, and a lot of that, even if, even for our students that take our, our normal, normal standard of things, um, they, they are college prepared um, because we've, there's a depth that we've been able to go to. There's been a normal expectation of our regular classes um, where our students go to college and do fantastic. Normally the response back from our families is college has been the easiest school that my kids have had. Did OBA have to be so hard? And my response to those parents is um, they have other hard things to learn in college. So OBA will remove the academics off of their, hard things to learn and they seem to be pretty six i would assume that they're pretty successful in college yeah they are and what our parents really see is on the financial investment side um, academically the investment is our students don't take the remedial classes where you had to pay money for a zero hour course um they're and they're done in four years and they're ready to go right into master's work if the student wants to do that but really that that fifth year is really expensive, Robert, of college. And since that's <laughs> like 60% of college students nowadays, yeah. um, 
we're we're helping those families even get done a semester early if the student wants. Now, one thing you know, obviously, we brag about a lot of the really good things that OB has to offer, and and uh, but you have acknowledged that there are some advantages that you guys have without testing, without uh, being able to pick your students, obviously, yes. and uh, uh, and clearly, uh, I, I would say the vast majority of your families are uh, involved in their children's lives. Yes, uh, which is probably the number one factor in student success, whether you're at a private or public school, right? So. It it is. It, that's the uncontrollable that all of us in education have to work to deal with, overcome um, any any kind of thing like that. Is what what's going on in the home? Um, is what happens outside the classroom does affect the classroom. So, getting homework done, um, doing you know, encouraging the homework, asking that question: Do you have homework that you need to do tonight? Even making simple things class. like that. Making it to class on time, making sure kids are ready, ready to be successful for the day, um, that they they have the resources that they need. So that's a that is a little that's an opportunity. You know, we um, the the vast majority of our families are engaged um, in that um, in that variable that is a huge you know determinant of academic success um, is is that family investment, parental care. Um, parental passion for the value of education. Well, what is the biggest? Uh, uh, do you do you guys have something that you're exceptionally proud of outside of uh, the Christian education part of it? Is there something that you're really proud of that you want to brag about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really proud of the academics um, that we have. The other thing that I'm really really proud of when we go on senior trip, I always have great conversations um, because for the most part, the school and the parents are really proud of who their, who their child is when we get to the end of the journey, the education journey. And I like to say, Hey, we get to graduation. That's where the plane is landing. And you're going to be really happy with who your, who your child is at that point. Um, now there's going to be some turbulence along the way, um, because they're maturing and they're learning how to make wise decisions. Um, and they'll, they'll get correction for those, for those things along the way. Um, but really, really proud of that. So a lot of that is who our, who our students become through the educational process. I'm really excited this year to be offering um, some additional academic support services. Um, we've been able to make um, a couple of really good hires and get some really specific training for a student that may be on an IEP or a student who um, they just need a little, a little bump, a little help. Um, where we can we can provide those needs and services. So for a family that wants Christian education, um, but in the in the past seven or eight years, we, we just haven't been able to meet their child's needs. Um, so we're we're going to be able to do that um, with some academic support services um, that uh, we'd be happy to talk to a family about. If they call up to the school and just say, Hey, I've heard um, I've heard you've expanded. You know what you can do to help kids thrive, help all students thrive in the classroom there at OBA. Um, we'd love to celebrate what we're doing there. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. Another, we're doing some community service learning days um, that I'm really excited about where students will go out in the afternoon and they'll select a project or an organization and work on that um, with their classmates. And then we'll have some time to reflect, okay, who did we, um, who did we serve? What kind of difference did we make? Um, what, what's the critical need for this organization in our community to help them um, get involved at a deeper level? And then as they grow up, they'll know, hey, there's this whole, there's this whole other sector of our, of our society that's really important and needs good leadership. 
Well, you talked a little bit uh, briefly about your staff, um, and uh, you said that you haven't had as many challenges, because one of the big challenges with uh, public schools, especially right now, is as uh, keeping and retaining teachers. We're, mm-hmm. we're at a, a record number of uh, non-certified teachers and emergency certified teachers, uh, and teachers are quitting every day, And, and uh, mm-hmm. but you haven't had as many challenges as, as the public school systems have? We haven't, and sometimes it's simply a numbers deal. I need 25, <laughs> so I need three science teachers to fill the school. Um, you know, both middle school and high school. So I only need three math teachers, three science teachers, you know, those kind of things. So some of it, just a numbers thing, it gets, it gets a little bit easier. And then a lot, a lot of our teachers have that passion where they, they would have a hard time teaching anywhere else because they they don't get to talk about their faith freely in another school. They don't get to pray with students freely at another school. That really important part of who they are, um, they ha- they don't get to do that. I, had, I hired a new high school science teacher this year, um, and he'd been in the public school system for a long time. And I asked him about, okay, so you're going to teach science. But it needs to be from a creation perspective. Now our students can understand other perspectives. We want them to, part of engaging the world. But but ultimately where we land, it's from that creation perspective. And his reply back was, it would be nice to quit biting my tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that he's wanted to be doing. So that was a neat, neat response um, to that. So that's a little bit the uniquenesses of who we need as a fit. But we've definitely gone through our times of turning over every rock and stone to find a qualified um, teacher for our, you know, for our position. Now some of the benefits for uh, teaching at a school like you guys is, is uh, with those smaller class sizes, they can right. be more intentional about who they teach. Uh, sometimes discipline uh, isn't as much of an issue, I right. would think. Engage parents. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I do have a friend that's a teacher at a, not a, a private school, but a very uh, affluent public school, uh, and she said sometimes the parents are too engaged. <laughs> so. Yeah, sometimes you get, you know, parents, we, don't, we want our kids to be successful, and we want to do everything we can for them to succeed and we want to do everything in our power um, to for that to happen and sometimes sometimes the kids learn from going through it and giving them the joy of figuring it out or gaining the confidence that us humans need in overcoming something you know on our own or maybe with some help but um, so yeah sometimes sometimes and that's where we get to sit down and take the time with the parents and say hey from our professional um, expertise it's best for your child if we do this this way but thanks for letting me know your concern and you know their their challenges so one one uh and it might be a misconception do teachers have to take a pay cut to be in a good environment like you guys so we so it is um we we do um we we can't pay but there's other kind of quality of life issues whether it be just a more manageable workload, a little more freedom, um, teaching freedom in the classroom, um, the opportunity to get to share and live out their faith for us to actually encourage it. Um, so there's some other quality of life things we're able, I'm really proud of some of the um, benefits we're able to offer our teachers that our community, um, our extended OBA community is made available. Um, we're um, we're competitive considering all of those things, but yeah, it does, it does become, it does become a sacrifice for the, the teachers are sacrificing as well um, to to make to make the school work. Well, say looking five years down the road, is there something that you'd like to see that you guys improve or change, or a goal that you've got? Uh, is there something that uh, that you want to talk about that you really are, are excited about or would li- like to really uh, 
see happen at OBA? Yeah. So I think for the next five years, um, you know, the, the population change at OBA uh, or in Enid and in Garfield County, you know, we're, we're going to need to, um, you know, work with that, um, with who, who lives here, who lives in our vicinity. Um, so that'll be some, what are some things we can do that doesn't compromise our mission, our distinctively Christian mission, um, but, but make sure that our hospitality and, and, uh, um, new families um, that maybe traditionally haven't chose OBA consider us um, for their for their families. Um, so a lot of it, though, a lot there's some really interesting changes that are happening in education. Um, that there are some elements of hey, we're holding, we're we're going to hold steady uh, with how we're how we're doing things. Um, the, the college concurrent thing, I think that's a great opportunity for different electives um, for our for our students. Also, think um, the the students that are gonna, the people that are going to be successful over the next 10, 15 years are going to be those with good soft skills. They know how to treat people right. They know how to interact with with people. They do the they do the humans well, as I like to say, um, and they're able to articulate themselves clearly. Um, they're able to communicate clearly. Um, so a lot of those um, soft skills and then the ability to be creative, the ability to problem solve um, because of just the needs of the, of the world are changing. Um, also being prepared. Um, I like to say we're preparing our students to be the next generation of Christian leaders and we're preparing them for wherever the Lord would send them all over the world. So not just... Um, so we want our students to be the next generation of leaders in Northwest Oklahoma, but we also don't want to limit them as this is your only opportunities. This is all that you were prepared for. Um, so that's, that's a big part of our mission that we're going to continue to continue to prepare for. Um, so. Well, one thing I just in this conversation and reading the interview that's uh, coming up next month that has really impressed me is, is, is that there are a lot of uh, Christian schools that are Christian schools in name only. I mean, they may have a chapel on Wednesdays or something like that, but it's not really their focus. But it really sounds like uh, that, that education and that, uh, uh, that focus on uh, uh, the, their Christian walk is mm-hmm. very important to you guys, and you really make it a focus. Yeah, and that's who OBA has been for a long time. So we're, it's not anything that's new. I tell you, we're not new at being good at school, um, and we're not new at the Christian faith and how we live our lives. That's all-encompassing, how we think, um, how we feel, what we love, um, and also how we treat people in the behaviors and things that we choose to do. Um, that we're not, that's not new to OBA. It's been around for, you know, we've been doing that for a long time. So it's part of that mission that will stay as much as we need to change to prepare our students, um, for 2030, for 2040, um, that will be timeless in, in what we do at the school. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Wilkins. I, yeah, uh, it's been an it's enlightening been conversation. I hope some people got some, a, a good perspective on on you especially, but on OBA and, and uh, what you guys offer the community. I'm a big public school guy, uh, yeah. proponent myself, but I'm really happy that we have those opportunities, other opportunities in Enid. I mean, I really am. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so uh, uh, because it's not education is not one size fits all. Right. Uh, and so uh, the fact that we've got that uh, and a great system uh, here in Enid is really cool. Yeah, I think it's an area that Enid. When I when I think about just Enid as a as a as a citizen of Enid, I think we've got all kinds of school options, um, from good homeschool co ops to um, good rural schools that are small that are close by, um, to public schools that offer all kinds of things, all kinds of avenues for students, um, and a private Christian school that 
uh, here in Enid that's offering top-notch um, Christian education for families. Other comparable cities to Enid and Oklahoma don't have what we have here as far as offering families um, school choice. Um, and I think it's a thing that our city could celebrate more and our folks could say, no, you right here, you live here in South Garfield County. Um, you've got all kinds of school options for your for your child. Yeah. And that's how I see it as options rather than competitiveness between right. the schools. So, right. And you mentioned growing up in Mustang that, that there wasn't the option for you on the <laughs> west side of Oklahoma City. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's a, a massive, a, a way bigger if you take UConn and Mustang together uh, than Enid is and the fact that we can offer all those different opportunities. Yeah, the fastest growing county um, in Oklahoma the last decade um, you have two options, and they're both enormous. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, two schools, and they're you know twice as big as as Enid High as far as high school and secondary level go. So, it it yeah. So again, this is part of that. Like, wow, look what Enid offers. It's it's families. Well, if you're interested in learning more, you can go to OklahomaBible.com. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, OklahomaBible.com on the internet, and or you can. Uh, I'm certain that they would love to give you a tour uh, if you call mm-hmm. up to OBA and check that out and, and uh, there are you guys doing enrollment right now we do yeah we can expedite that process um, to be ready for August 11 which is ours which is our start date okay well great well thank you again Andy uh, thank you for listening to Enid monthly in depth uh, the podcast for Enid people with Enid people and uh, we just really hope you enjoyed this and if you like it like and subscribe on Apple pods or any of where you get your podcast to do, uh, listening